get out your punch bowl, your cocktail cherries and plastic miniature umbrellas. It's punch day. This is Fiorella de Maria bringing you the early show all the way from a rapidly cooling England. Should I say anything on the programme that strikes a chord, interests you, or heaven help me, causes you to choke on your chocolate donuts? Please let me know. As always, our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Yes, indeed, it is National Punch day oh this is really sad um i've just seen jacqueline your message on chat room sad day yesterday apparently a mouse got into the nest with the baby bunnies only one survived got mama and remaining kits in the living room kit in the living room it's scratched up but still alive oh that's so awful i didn't think a mouse could do something like that that's really really sad i'm so sorry jacqueline um yes they are cute puppies though sorry i couldn't resist i put more pictures of my friend's puppies in the chat room because do you know they look slightly different every day um but yes i'm really sorry jacqueline that's happened there's, there's something heartbreaking when that happens to little 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 tiny animals um but it is national punch day today i don't know anyone like a good glass of punch uh, I've always been very fond of myself. I think it's great for a party. It's a great centerpiece, sharing from one bowl. And I always feel very matronly with a big punch bowl and a ladle, uh, dishing out beautiful, sweet, fruity punch. And it can be alcoholic. It could be non-alcoholic. So you can cater for all tastes. A friend told me once that her husband, when he was at boarding school, got a bit bored during a school party and decided it would be funny to spike the fourth forms punch bowl. Fourth forms are about 13-year-olds, 13, 14-year-olds, 13, that sort of age. Um, so he poured a bottle of vodka in with really disastrous consequences. If you're drinking punch at a party, you have to be really, really sure you know the person well and know what they're going to put in there. I have always been a little bit curious about even the word and the tradition because apparently the name punch, I always assumed it was from Punch and Judy, but it isn't, comes from the Hindi word panch, which means five, because the original punch in India included five ingredients. In fact, the beverage originates in India in the 17th century. Uh, it made its way to England via the British East India Company. It's another of those rather odd drinks that has found its way to Britain and beyond via the empire. It became a very popular drink all over Europe, was served at parties and family gatherings. It's no longer a popular drink, but it's still served at parties and large events. I don't know. I still think, I still think punch is pretty popular. Um, in the 17th and 18th centuries, it became particularly popular. It would be served in a large bowl that was usually a household item. Many came with ornate stands and were passed down as family heirlooms. So the best way you could possibly celebrate is to make your favourite punch and share it with family and friends or experiment with flavours of punch. Try new combinations of alcoholic and non-alcoholic additions to the beverage. There we are. 
Um, and did you know a similar sounding drink, punch, is a traditional liqueur in Sweden? Unlike punch, punch is a mixture uh, which was a mixture of uh, fruit juices and alcohol. Punch is made from arak, um, the fermented sap of rice, and was brought to Sweden by the Swedish East Indian Company through Indonesia. Like punch, the name punch also comes from the Hindi word punch. So there you go. Um, Philip is saying, I like it spiked. Yes, it needs to be spiked, does it? Okay, the thing is, you need to know what it's been spiked with, I think is the answer. Beware the proverbial turd in the punch bowl. That's absolutely disgusting. I've never heard that expression before. Good grief. Um, Denise, um, no thanks to your spiking my drink. <laughs> Maggie saying, not as popular in the States anymore. I just organised a bridal shower for my niece and we didn't do punch at all per her request. Ooh, we did a mimosa bar and had other refreshments like tea and water. Last time we had a family get together, the punch wasn't touched. Oh, what a shame. I don't know. I think there's just something there's something really pleasing about anything that's shared like that. A feeling of almost it's, it's as close to drinking out of the same cup as you can get without actually being unhygienic. There we are. But I have some wonderful news for Crusaders. You know the way sometimes as you get older... You start to get senior moments and you start to think, oh, gosh, my old brain's slowing down a bit. Well, on this day in 2014, Dr. Michael Ramskar and a team of scientists came up with the theory that the brains of older people only appear to slow down. They don't, in fact, slow down at all. They appear to slow down because they have so much information to compute, much like a full up hard drive. So the brains of older people do not get weak. On the contrary, they simply know more. They have more information to process. So there you are. Your brain is not slowing down. It is just full. I do feel that's a really wonderful thing to know. But anyway, do Post in the chat room your pictures of your favourite punch and your punch bowls and everything else. I would admit I don't actually own a punch bowl, but I wonder, how would you define punch? Could you say sangria? Sangria is a punch. Could you say that Pim's was a punch? I'm not sure you quite can. Um, Denise, um, I like that theory. It's a good theory, isn't it? I, I, love, I love the idea that that is in fact what is happening. Um, I mean, I try to point this out to my children when I'm trying to remember a word or a phrase or just where we're supposed to be, that I didn't have to juggle this much information when I was 20, like where my four children are at any one time, plus my husband, plus where I'm supposed to be. Maggie, I love sangria. I, I you know, I... I really love it. It's one of my favourites. I, I love the sort of the feeling that it's the beginning of summer when the jug of sangria comes out. Um, Maggie saying, my mother had a beautiful crystal punch bowl set. It was passed down to her by her grandmother. Denise is saying, I saw a T-shirt yesterday that I need to get. I, I survived the 60s twice. <laughs> there we go. 
Um, I always remember that line from Hook when um, Peter Pan, you know, adult Peter Pan is is having a panic because Tinkerbell is flying around his head and he thinks he's going mad. And he says, um, I never did drugs. I missed the 60s. I was a chartered accountant. Evidently, that is what happened in the 60s. Anyway, I have a serious question for everyone today. Seriously. Yes. This is the question. If you had or have a gifted child, would you send your child to a specialist school? You know, a music school, a ballet school, a dance school, a sport academy. Would you do that? Would you send your child to a specialist school if your child was highly gifted? Or would you not take the risk or would you think, oh, no, I've got to give them this opportunity? I'm asking the question because um, there are, yeah, in Britain and certainly in the States, there are a lot of these specialist schools for children who, you know, they usually have to audition, obviously, who have a particular talent. My sister went to a music school and she had a fabulous time, but she said she would not send a child of hers to a music school. If, they, if she had a child who was musically gifted, she would in fact prefer to educate them at home and get them good music tutors in the home. She didn't in fact feel it was a good idea, much as she enjoyed it, with what she now knows about what was going on in music schools. A lot of abuse stories have emerged in recent years. She would not be happy placing her own child in a boarding environment with, you know, 150 highly gifted, highly strong other children. She just doesn't think it's, um, it's, it's just didn't think it was a particularly good idea in retrospect. Um, oh, sorry, Denise, Dublin-Tronda, shirt is for those who are 70 or older who lived through the 1960s. Oh, yes, I survived the 60s twice. Yes, I get it. Sorry. I'm having a bit of a senior time of it today as well. Um, Maggie is saying, or like Juilliard School in New York City, I wouldn't send my child to a special school like that. They are too young to be without you. No one will care for your child like you will. Exactly. However, I do understand, having seen my much younger sister go to music school, I can see completely the dilemma for parents because... If you have a child who is really very, very talented, they get this once in a lifetime opportunity to go and have this amazing educational experience. You might be tempted. You might think, well, maybe I'll regret it for the rest of my life. They'll regret it if they don't go. What do you do? It is 20 minutes past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. If you've missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of the early show as a podcast, same day, from crusademax.com. And we're talking today, in no particular order, about National Punch Day. It is the day when we look at the history, the very interesting multicultural history of the drink so beloved of family gatherings and parties, or at least it was. Punch bowls passed down from generation to generation, all started in India, was brought to Britain via the East India Company and has made its way all over the world, but sadly is not quite as in vogue as it used to be. What is your favourite punch? Do you have a favourite punch? 
Um, I'm prepared to try anything, though. I'd probably go for the non-alcoholic variety now because punch is one of those drinks you can just drink a little bit too much of. But I do love the idea of having punch as a centerpiece at a family gathering. It was also on this day in 2014 that scientists in Britain discovered that older people's brains do not slow down. No, no, they do not slow down. They just get too full of knowledge, a bit like a computer hard drive that's filling up and therefore making the computer appear to process more slowly. No, your brain is not slowing down as you get older. It has just got so much more information to process. Um, there we go. But I'm also asking the question, and I'll come to the reason why in a moment, if you had a gifted child, would you send him or her to a specialist school, a music school, a sports academy, a dance school, a skate school, whatever? Would you do that? Now, Maggie is saying no way. She wouldn't send a child away from home because a child should not be without you. You know, no one can care for your child as well as you can. My sister had a unique experience in that she went to a specialist music school, met Prince Charles as he was then because he was the patron, had a fabulous time, turned into an amazing musician. But she has herself said that she would probably not send her own child to a music school. She would prefer to educate the child, you know, privately through you know, bringing music teachers to the house. But I can also see the dilemma. We grew up in a very you know, isolated area, rather rural part of the country where there were very few good schools. And the feeling was that she would regret it for the rest of her life if she missed the opportunity. I wondered about choir schools for my eldest because he's got perf perfect pitch and is very musical. Um, he, he didn't end up going down the music route, but there are also Catholic choir schools. Well, the choir schools, including Catholic choir schools in Britain, attached to cathedrals where gifted boys whose voices have not yet broken get a free education as well as an excellent musical education. And there was one in London, of course, famously Westminster Cathedral Choir School. But they have to board. And they can only come home after Mass on Sunday. And they even have to be in school for Christmas Day and Easter because, of course, they have to sing at all the big liturgies. And I just couldn't face the idea. I, I just thought n no amount of really expert musical education would make up for being away from home from the age of eight pretty much full time. I, I just I couldn't accept that that would be all right. So I made that decision. But yes, it is a dilemma. Oh, punch. Yes, lots of, um, here we go. Lots of comments about punch. Oh, Denny Sam is saying, my daughter couldn't care for hers, hence he is now ours. She visits and that's enough, looking after children. Well, you know, but you are, you are providing a family environment for that child. You know, it's not like sending a child off to school. You know, you're being mother to that little one and he will appreciate it one day. Um. Jacqueline uh, saying, going to a class this afternoon by the county sheriff on what to do if you have a school shooter on campus. Scary times. Scotty Bobby saying, we had an active shooter class at our parish. Wow. Um, do you know, Jacqueline, um, I, I really feel for you for you're a teacher because it, 
it's such a responsibility if something, you know, God forbid, that happened. Um, a U.S. friend was saying on Facebook just the other day that he got a terrible phone call from his son, completely distraught, saying that the shooter alarm had gone off in his school. He had uh, very sensibly, as soon as he heard the alarm, he just ran, ran out of the school grounds as fast as he could. And he'd phoned his father as soon as he knew he was definitely safe and said, please come and pick me up. It turned out that the alarm had gone off in error. It had, I think a, a workman had been doing some maintenance and had accidentally set it off. But this man said it was just terrifying. It, it was really the most frightening thing, just getting that call and thinking, my God, there's a, there's a shooter in my son's school and you're know, trying to calm his son down and the, the horror of you know, what, what might be going on in the school. Is anyone dead? You know, and mercifully, it turned out to be a false alarm. But gosh, it is really frightening. In this country, we don't have um, shooter alarms and you know um, classes on, on the subject because mercifully, there has only ever been one school shooting, uh, one too many. But it we have, there's been one school shooting in Britain. However, my children all had practices, practice evacuations for if. Uh, there was any other kind of emergency. Obviously, fire alarms have always been part of life. I remember that, you know, when I was a child, we rather liked it when the fire alarm went off because it meant we got out of class for a bit while we walked to the assembly point and they did the register and counted us and things. But they, what they have now, which was not around when I was a child, was um, these lockdown uh, practices where a different kind of alarm sounds and that's lockdown. All the doors are locked, the classroom doors are locked, the blinds go down and the children, I think, get under their desks or something like that. There's also an evacuation drill where every school, I think this must be every school in the country, not the region, they know where their nearest school is and if they are ordered to evacuate because of, for example, a bomb scare, they the entire school files out in its serried ranks, in its classes, to the nearest school, and that school will have um, the facilities to look after them while the police come and scan the area and make sure that the school is safe. And this is because about a year or two ago, there was a, there were a number of hoax bomb scares. You know, there were phone calls made to a, a number of schools in the area claiming that you know, Islamist terrorists had laid bombs in the schools it's horrible I, I hate to think of children having to live with this it just it it fills me with horror you know and god forbid that it should happen um philip saying i love the holiday parties as a kid with the punch i would eat all the sherbet out of it you had sherbet in your punch wow birthday punch uh, jacqueline is saying i'd love to know what um what was sherbet just one of the ingredients to sweeten it that sounds very interesting um i know in the middle east they must have drunk drunk sherbet at one point i, I think of sherbet as being powdery but i read a, a novel years ago where he talks about drinking a drinking a glass of sherbet so i'm guessing it meant something different once dr torres this is hawaiian punch this is an actual pre-mixed thing is it um Oh, 1980 commercial for my favourite childhood punch. Wow, I missed out on something. Denise, um, I understand the need for active shooter classes, but how sad that we need them. That's my feeling, Denise. It is just so sad. You know, I, I hate to think of you know children feeling afraid like that. I, thinking of my friend's boy and just how scared he must have felt when that alarm went off. 
Ross has put uh, what's this um, punch ring freeze one can frozen orange juice diluted as if to drink put in ring and freeze in freezer if you want to put in green and red mar cherries and ma mandarin oranges in bottom of pan and freeze with juice looks good okay so cranberry juice frozen orange juice tom Co i've no idea what tom collins mix is and vodka well wow, that looks uh, like it would be quite potent um ross is saying that punch recipe has been handed down in my family for generations wow um Denise, I'm saying just like fire drills, there will be shooter drills. Some kids won't understand that it's just a drill. Um, I think in the case of my friend's son's school, it was an accident. It was not a drill. The alarm was not scheduled to go off. Um, so there was genuine fear that, that there really was an intruder because nobody nobody knew what had, what had set it off. Um, Louise is saying, I like punch, but prefer a bottle of... A, a bowl of eggnog. Oh, do you know, I, I've never quite got my head around drinking raw egg. I just, I just can't get used to the idea. It's just too, um, it's, uh, I don't know, maybe. Oh no, Philip thinks it's wonderful too. Yes, eggnog is my favourite. No, I was given eggnog syrup to put in coffee one Christmas and I just couldn't get used to it. It just tasted to me like someone had cracked an egg into my coffee. It just felt very, very peculiar. And funnily enough, I gave it to an American friend who loved it. So it's obviously something you grow up with and I haven't. Um, and she thought it was wonderful. She said it, it spiced up her coffees for weeks to come, weeks afterwards. Ross is saying, I remember the nuclear bomb drills when I was young, like it would have helped if you were at ground zero. Well, this is the problem. I, I think the difficulty always was if there was a nuclear holocaust, there was nowhere to go. You were going to die. You know, that the government here gave out instructions about how to build a shelter in your house and put a paper bag on your head and stuff like that. But I think everybody secretly knew if that nuclear alarm sounded, you got the four minute warning, you had four minutes to say a confiteor, hug your family. And that was the end of it. Just too horrible to contemplate. And they did do nuclear warnings. I, I do remember that when I was a child because I lived in an army town. There were certain drills they did, which they didn't do elsewhere in Britain. Um, no, I'm going to pass on eggnog, I'm afraid. Oh, Maggie, this looks wonderful. Sparkling raspberry sherbet party punch. So this is what sherbet in, in a party punch looks like. That Oh, gosh, that is wonderful. I suddenly really, really want one. I'm not sure this is right for this time of the morning. Um, but that does look really quite, quite delicious. Jacqueline saying we soak mandarin oranges in liqueur and then float them in champagne punch. We call it a goldfish bowl. It's really yummy, but the goldfish can be dangerous. <laughs> I bet they can. Do you know, I would love to try that. I think I might actually have to try that for a family party sometime. It's coming up to my birthday next month, so maybe I will arrange that for my birthday. Right. Oh, sure, but I think... Um, Philip is saying sherbet is like ice cream, but fruit-based. Mum would use it instead of ice. I think we call that a sorbet. I think we call that sorbet because um, sherbet, I'm thinking of white powder, sort of sugary, sugary powder. That's what I think of when I think of sherbet. That's what it is over here. So we're obviously thinking about something slightly different. There we are. Something else I have learned, divided by a common language. Um Louise, yes, Philip, with lots of old granddad. I have no idea what you're talking about now. What on earth is it? Why would you put your granddad in a punch? Um, Philip, I prefer a good spiced rum in my nog. Now, rum I do like. 
I was introduced to rum by my husband's Jamaican auntie, and I do like a good tot of rum some time ago. And I can pretend, I can pretend to uh, be a sailor at sea during the Napoleonic Wars. Um, anyway, we've got to go to an ad break. I was going to ask whether you all survived Talk Like a Pirate Day, but we can save that till after the break. You are listening to The Early Show. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusaderchannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to me. Do join the conversation. The Early Show will continue in a few moments here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio, the way it should be. and insomniacs and those of you catching the show's rebroadcast at midday for those of you just joining us you are listening to the early show with your hostess from across the pond Fiorella de Maria our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723 that's 844-527-8723 and the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat do talk to me do join the conversation as you enjoy uh, a healthy slightly abstemious breakfast it being an ember wednesday if you have missed the show so far never fear you can get the whole of the early show as a podcast same day from crusademax.com and we have been talking about in no particular order national punch day as always the subject of food is the topic of discussion of the day Punch, originating from in India, and the, the name punch comes from panch, the Hindi word for five, because the original punch had five ingredients. Punch has formed a centerpiece of pa- parties, family events, and other glorious occasions ever since, though sadly not so often today. Many families had punch bowls that were passed down as family heirlooms. Do you still have a punch bowl? Do you still make punch? Curious to know. And I have discovered what you people think sherbet is. It's not the white stuff that you dip your licorice in. There we go. You learn something new every day. And no, I'm not drinking eggnog. Uh, I don't know. It just... Uh, it's just too... Um, Maggie's saying, look, she's with me on this one. The King Dude makes homemade eggnog every year. I personally cannot bring myself to even try it. I'm with Fiorella on egg thing. Louise is saying you cook the egg yolks with the bourbon. I guess does the alcohol kill off any bacteria? I don't know quite the way it works. Um, then he's saying he used to make eggnog, but it's been a few years. I don't know. Dr. Torres, I knew you were going to lower the tone. 
I love a good pepperoni pizza, but you know what goes best with Hawaiian punch. Don't do it. Don't do it. Not the pizza with the pineapple. No way. Um, Scotty Bobby, so didn't the king dude give out his eggnog recipe? He has his own special eggnog recipe. Oh, good grief. No, I don't even want to. No. Oh, Dr. Torres, it is an abomination. You know my views on Hawaiian pizza. Um. Louise saying nothing quite like eggnog and a slice of homemade fruit cake. Real fruit cake, dark, moist, and flavoured with bourbon. The fruit cake I think would be delicious. I am just not convinced about eggnog. Sorry. Uh, Maggie said, Yes, he sure did. It was something the king dude with daughter, daughter number one, every year. Okay. Nice tradition, Scotty Bobby saying, oh, Yes, it's interesting. We make mulled wine. That's what we make in our family. It's a very English thing um, in winter. That nice hot spiced wine. Um, that's a sort of close-ish to a punch because you do put other things in it like brandy and and juice and fruits and cloves and lots of, lots of spices. It's cinnamon sticks. It's really, really delicious. Um, Jacqueline, yuck. Uh, both of these bucks, as in goats, are in the rut. They stink. So they're being left locked up today. Blech. I can almost imagine it. Um, rutty goats are the most disgusting things on a farm. Not only do they stink, they also really act really stupid and disgusting. Yeah, sounds like a, an allegory for something. Um, Maggie saying, thank you, everyone, that pitched in a few bucks yesterday when the king dude asked for donations. You can, of course, keep making those donations, all right? You can keep them rolling in. Mention it in the chat room if you do. Jacqueline's saying they pee all over themselves and they act really stupid, run around with their tongues hanging out and make annoying sounds, not to mention other disgusting stuff. It's quite comical. Yes, I know. It just sounds very um, sounds very male, actually. But and sorry, no. Why did I say that? Um, Doctor Torres is saying it's National Pepperoni Pi is Pepperoni Pizza Day today. Really? Well, pepperoni pizza is fine. It's the way it should be. Um, Jacqueline saying, uh, "Mulled wine sounds like Glühwein in Germany, hot and spicy. It is very like it." And I wonder. I don't know what the origin of mulled wine in Britain is. It's quite possible, I suppose, it may have come over from Germany with Prince Albert, like so many of our Christmas and winter traditions. I, I'm curious to know now. I will look that up. I, I do wonder though, because they are very similar. I've had Glühwein. Um, when I've been in Central Europe at Christmas time, and it is very, very similar. Um, CRM114, when I was a kid, my nonna made what we called egg stuff. It was raw egg yolk and sugar beaten um, to a whip. We had it all the time. Nobody ever got sick. Add some Rice Krispies to it too. Yum. Well, you know something? It, it's strange how we can be squeamish about eggnog because I, because I am because of the idea of raw egg. But in fact, we eat raw egg in all sorts of things. Meringues contain egg whites, raw egg whites, uh, mayonnaise, uh, which you know we have with salad all the time, has raw egg. And these days with chickens generally inoculated against salmonella, it's pretty safe. There's an there's still a sort of residual horror of raw egg in Britain because of the salmonella crisis in the 80s. If you're old enough to remember the awful salmonella outbreak with people 
dropping like flies, getting really, really ill. Um, a woman I knew got salmonella and they had to close the school because she was a dinner lady at a local school and they weren't sure where she'd contracted it. It turned out it had nothing to do with the school, but there was such panic. It was a massive public health worry, um, public health crisis. So these days, you know, it's very difficult to get salmonella, but we still have this residual sense of raw eggs, don't, don't trust them. Um, Dr. Torres is saying it's also National Care for Our Kids Day. Well, I'd hope it's National Care for Our Kids every day, really. But um, there we go. That, that's, that sounds somehow more important than National Punch Day, but not nearly as controversial, apparently. Philip, I've been watching videos by a professional bartender, and I'm amazed how many drink recipes he shows made with egg whites, such as a whiskey sour... Um, no idea what a whiskey sour is, but yes, it does make you think, doesn't it? That, you know, there's probably raw egg and a lot of stuff we consume without thinking. Yes, and mulled wine is delicious. And you can also make it non-alcoholic for children. Um, we sometimes used to make mulled apple juice. It's not quite the same. You can also make mulled cider. If you're in my part of the world, cider is a big drink. So mulled cider is a very West Country thing to do. So, yes, mulled wine. Mulled wine probably over punch, given a choice. But it depends on the year, time of year. You wouldn't have mulled wine in the middle of the summer. Though with the sort of summer we had, you could probably get away with it. So back to our serious question. Would you send a child to a specialist school? This has really come to my mind because, fortunately, m my children's talent, as it were, is ice skating and we don't have skate schools in this country they do have them in russia and in some other countries and there is no way i would put a child through that sort of regime from what i've heard from women who've been through those skate schools they're able to skate early in the morning with excellent top class coaches just down the road from our house so it's not even an issue it's just it's just not a, a debate however music schools came under fire some years ago when a series of abuse cases emerged there was a very distressing case where a musician in her 40s was giving evidence at a trial about the abuse she had suffered at a specialist music school and she was so distressed by the experience of having to face the the former teacher and just the trauma of having to give evidence in court that she committed suicide and it it opened up a huge debate as you can imagine it was extremely upsetting but the latest is ballet schools are now in the spotlight and in the case of ballet schools a number of families have come forward, are suing the schools and are raising awareness of what they call the toxic culture of bullying and body shaming that they say was tantamount to abuse. 50 ex-students from the Royal Ballet School, very prestigious of the number one ballet school in Britain, and the Elmhurst Ballet School have spoken to the BBC about what happened to them, the terrible psychological abuse they were put through many of them developed eating disorders and some say they have been left with permanent mental health problems as a result of the way they were treated oh what's this hang on um maggie philip just taught me something new i had no idea there was a different recipe for a whiskey sour with 
an egg white. I have never heard of that before. Apparently, it's commonly called a Boston Sour. Crusade chat room making me more intelligent one drink at a time. Well, indeed. I'm sure I've got a book of cocktail recipes somewhere, but you know you can also make mocktails these days without alcohol. I shall have to look them up. Now, what is this? Jacqueline, baby resting. Oh, there we are. Um, I feel so sorry for the baby bunny left without without his siblings. Um, but yes, this uh, these ballet schools, they are now very much under fire. They're very, very popular, prestigious schools. Um, hundreds of very gifted dancers audition for that place in one of those two schools. They dream of a career on the stage as a prima ballerina. And the Royal Ballet School is famous for being the school where Dame Margot Fontaine, one of the most famous ballerinas ever, attended. Also Dame Darcy Bustle. King Charles is the president of the Royal Ballet School, hence Royal Ballet School. Um, Elmhurst Ballet School is also very prestigious. I didn't know this particular school, but um, it's uh, very, very prestigious and it's just celebrated its 100th anniversary. The schools themselves are vocally um, critical of these allegations, claiming they are simply not true. However, I have to say that the claims being made do have a very strong ring of truth to them. Um, I did ballet on a very, very amateur level as a child. And even in your local ballet class, body shaming was a problem. Uh, you are made to feel fat for having a perfectly normal body shape. I stopped dancing at about the age when puberty was really hitting and my body was changing because I had I was underweight all the time I was growing up. I was never, ever rounded, but I did have a Mediterranean shape, you know, uh, and there was no way of getting around that. And all the other little ballet dancers had these teeny, skinny, scrawny figures. And, you know, it made you feel really fat. So I completely believe these dancers saying that they were just, they were made to feel guilty for having a perfectly normal uh, body shape. Coded language was used to encourage weight loss. Girls who went on crash diets and developed anorexia were congratulated by their teachers for losing weight, encouraging those eating disorders to spiral. They were bullied and humiliated by their teachers. Um, one girl talks about um, the teacher literally putting her in front of a mirror and saying, saying, oh, you know something, in her first two weeks, you know, you're pretty sensitive. She was 16. She just started at the Royal Ballet School. Um, and a teacher literally put her in front of the mirror and said, if I had a knife, this is what I'd cut off. And she pointed at you know, her thighs and you know, about a third of her calf. Um, and these girls developed an absolute loathing for their bodies and ended up being frankly broken by what happened. Um, some of them did manage to pull through and had successful careers as dancers but even those who did seem to feel that it just wasn't worth it. And many others never got that far. They became so ill as a result of their eating disorders and their mental health problems that they had to leave the schools. They had to go into rehab. They never really regained their confidence again. I think if that is the case, they have every right to sue. 
because I do feel the, the specialist schools, it's almost as if they feel they are above the law, that they don't have to apply the same rules as any other school would because they are prestigious, because children queue up to get there. And it is just wrong. In the end, first and foremost, they should be caring for, you know, the welfare of their children. Um, oh, Philip is um, back to back to um, uh, <laughs> to punch. Sorry, from I love the way this always happens on the show. Um, I need to hit the liquor store for more ingredients so I can test some more of the recipes. I made an amazing espresso martini that had braided parmigiana as Garnish, really? It was really good. Dr. Torres is asking a Mediterranean shape. No, it's um a Mediterranean shape is an hourglass shape. There are different kinds of female body shape. All right, just give you a quick uh, quick resume. The Mediterranean body shape is actually regarded as the most attractive. I think because it suggests fertility. Uh, you know good breasts, not too big, but not flat either. Um, hips, you know, curvaceous hips, lots of curves, basically, in all the right places. That is a Mediterranean body shape. Um, it is not fat. It is a normal female shape. It is what women are supposed to look like. Um, not like, you know, girls who've been starved into not hitting puberty properly, who are completely flat and thin and narrow. It's just, that's not a normal body shape. Um, and I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure that is to do, it is connected up with fertility. That's why traditionally that body shape was regarded as very beautiful. Because if a woman does have, for example, nice curvy hips, the chances her pelvis is big enough to cope with a baby. You know, women with a Mediterranean body shape don't tend to have obstructed labours. Just saying, I did, but that's because in fact I don't have a. I don't have a particularly Mediterranean body shape. I discovered I discovered when I was trying to give birth. You know, it's there are actually reasons why that body shape was regarded as as normal. Um, Dr. Torres is asking, is it they who dream or their parents? Who is responsible for these girls attending these schools? Parents never take responsibility for bad parenting. Well, I think um, I'm I'm in agreement to some extent with the question. I think it's a it's a valid question. Scotty Bobby saying agreed. Parents living through their children, um, sports as well as dance. I think that is a major problem. And as someone with sporty children, including a a, a child, a teenage child now involved in elite sport, I think it can be a really major problem. I see it a lot. Um, however, when a parent entrusts children to a school, they should. They should have some level of trust or be able to have some level of trust that the school will look after their child. A teacher is in loco parentis in that situation. Um, personally, I would never, ever send a child to a boarding school. I would never send a child to a specialist school. I would rather educate a child at home, which is in fact what I'm doing with my youngest child, then send them away to school because I just think it is a minefield. There are too many things that go wrong. And I think the emotional health of a child suffers almost inevitably when they are far away from home. It is just not the normal state of affairs. I don't even think, I mean, I don't, I don't judge people who do send their children away to school because, well, my parents did it and lots of parents do in good faith, but I actually don't think it's a particularly Catholic approach to family life. You know, the family unit should stay together where possible. 
that's that's my feeling um and i think when it comes to you know whose dream is it is it the parent's dream is it the child's dream i think that can be very very difficult i can honestly say hand on heart that ice skating was not my dream i come from a country where the only ice you ever see is in small cubes in a long glass of lemonade the idea of getting on an ice rink filled me with horror and confusion um it just never even occurred to me to my for my children to do this until one of my children said, I'd like to be an ice skater, please. And I assure you, she has had no need of any pressure or pushing from anybody, even her coaches. But I think I'd, I'd imagine that it can be because of the amount of investment a parent puts into a gift like that. I'd imagine that those two dreams can get very intertwined after a while. I mean, I once heard a mother really shouting at her daughter because she'd done badly at, um, I think, um, I, I think she'd done badly at a local competition. It wasn't even anything important, but she was shouting at the child, I go hungry so that you can skate. I go hungry to pay for your lessons. And my first thought was, first of all, you shouldn't be. It's really not that important. And secondly, sorry, you made a choice. You don't make your, your child feel guilty and, you know, make it out that she's starving you because you have chosen to pay for her skating lessons. That is just wrong. And I do see some awful scenes at the sides of competitions. A lot of parents are completely supportive of their children and it's beautiful and it's lovely to see. But there's always some um, you know, and you know, you walk past and you hear the argument going on. It's usually a, a parent shouting at a child, and you know, you just you just want to intervene. Um, so no, it's it's a very very legitimate question. It is two minutes past the hour. You are listening to the early show with your hostess Fiorella de Maria. If you have missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of the early show as a podcast same day from CrusadeMax.com. We are talking about National Punch Day, and. The number of drinks that seem to contain raw egg. I'm discovering a lot on this show today. Um, it is also the day, the anniversary of the day in 2014, when scientists in Britain discovered that as you get older, your brain does not slow down. It simply gets full, like a hard drive filling up. You just have so much knowledge, so much information to process that it just takes you a little bit longer. And I think that is a wonderful thing to know. I'm also asking the question, would you send your child or gifted child to a specialist school? It seems to be a resounding no in the chat room. I certainly don't think I ever could, um, though I do understand the dilemma. Um, and uh, the point has been raised. Dr. Torres has made the point about you know, whose dream is really being served here. Is it the child's dream or the parents? Philip is saying, always remember anywhere groups of children are, there's likely to be some level of abuse happening. I went to boarding school for a year. It was generally a good experience. I needed the structure, but there were also some negative experiences like anything. Overall, I believe it was a good thing. Okay, Philip, thank you. You know, um, Thank you for, for that contribution. And of course, my friend Sarah, who is a regular on the show, very popular guest on the show, loved boarding school. It's one of those things we often talk about because we had two such very, very different experiences of boarding life. Um, she loved it. Like you, Philip, she loved the structure. She found it to be positive. Yes, with negatives, but there's, as you say, negatives about everything. I 
turned against it very badly. I will say that I boarded twice. I had two very different experiences of boarding, once as a junior between the ages of nine and 11, and again, much older for my sixth form, as we call it here, 16 to 18. It was a very different experience boarding 16 to 18. And yes, it had its positives in that I learned to be very independent. I didn't have the huge emotional meltdown when I went away to university. I couldn't understand why the other girls in my hall of residence at university were homesick. It wasn't something I understood. However, I felt the negatives hugely outweighed the positives. That was completely my experience. But that it's interesting and it's important to, to see all the perspectives because you know, thousands and thousands of people go to boarding school. So there's obviously going to be a spectrum of experience. Um, Jacqueline, the hourglass shape, safer childbirth, healthy breasts for nursing. There's a reason men are attracted to that. Look at Renaissance women paintings. Absolutely. It is only very recently in our history that the idea of the skinny, flat chested woman has been regarded as at all attractive. Um, I mean, in Maltese, um, if you, uh, if you have a round face, the expression is she has a face like a cup. Like a little round cup. It's a, it's a compliment. It's just a face like a cup. If you have a thin face, you have a face like a horse. It's not a compliment. It is only very recently the idea of the skinny, flat, narrow framed woman has been regarded as attractive. Um, Maggie, like here in the US, gymnast parents send these very young girls away to pursue their Olympic dreams. I hope the instructors and medical staff care for them. The US gymnast doctor that was recently convicted of molesting them. I just couldn't send my children away on the hopes others will care for them. This also occurs with travel dance teams. Yes, I mean, that, um, that, that case of that doctor, I mean, that really shook a lot of people. I mean, I couldn't... Um, I did watch part of the trial, but I just, I couldn't. It it was, because it, it was just too close to the bone. I could completely see how that abuse happened. You know, how those poor girls were, were prey to that man. And it was, it was just horrific. Um, and I think that's it because the other thing to consider, one of the first things we were told when my first child started skating, we got given a, a little thing, it was called the Passport. And, you know, you put their name on it. And as they passed the different levels, they got ticked off by the coach. That was their passport. And when it was full, they it, it was their passport into the training ice phase. And it contained instructions for parents at the end, instructions and advice. And one of the things was, do not expect your child to be an Olympian. Your child has about a one in 3,000 chance of making it to Team GB. Yeah. They, they just put it right out there because... Um, they were probably aware that there are a lot of parents with these huge expectations and ambitions for their children. And one of the things it's said in these instructions is the only question you ask when your child comes off the ice is, did you have fun? Not what did you do? What did you learn? Did you land that jump? Did you have fun? That is all that should be important when your child is a child. If it's not fun, they shouldn't be doing it. Because the fact is, even with really gifted athletes, only a tiny number ever get to the Olympics. I'm very aware of that when we look at, say, the Russian skaters who get completely broken. You know, it's made me very aware that when you watch these big competitions, the 
World Championships, the Olympics, the Junior Grand Prix, for every beautiful skater out there doing wonderful things and being well supported by her coach and her parents and everything else, there are many, many broken, almost professional skaters who were really good but didn't quite make the grade. And what worries me when parents do send their children off to these specialist schools is that a lot is being gambled on them getting to the top when there is statistically a much higher chance they won't quite get there. And they're going to need a lot of support when they don't quite get there. Um, I mean, my sister is an amazing musician. She did make it. But you know something? Life is really hard for a professional musician. And I'm not sure that any specialist school really prepares a young person for the rigours of you know, collapsing into bed at two o'clock in the morning after a concert, living completely hand to mouth, not knowing when the next meal is coming from, dashing around from one gig to the next, struggling to find work. You know, it's a tough call. All of these professions, whether it's art or music or drama or sport, they are very, very tough professions. The person has to want it more than anything else. And I do find it very interesting how many young people emerge from music schools and go and do something completely different. As soon as they have some agency in the matter, will drop music and go and go to medical school or go and study modern languages or something, anything, rather than do what they have been being trained to do since they were about 10 years old. That itself is quite telling. Um, what is so funny about the hourglass shape? It is a, it is a known term. Yes, Dr. Torres, hourglass shape, please, beer mug shape or two litre shape or sun tea jar shape, hourglass. Yeah, it's just the term, okay? It's the term we use, so there. Um, Philip is saying the, U the US gymnastics doctor got away with it as long as he did because the FBI swept it under the rug. They were informed and knew what was happening and made it go away. Well, I wasn't sure. I, d I didn't know how that happened. Um, how it w I knew someone must have been covering up. Um, but then he also got away with it because parents didn't ask questions. Um, I was particularly distressed. But this is the point at which I stopped following the story by one case where a five-year-old girl was abused in the most disgusting manner by that doctor. And she told her parents straight away. She blurted it out. She'd obviously been told to keep it a secret. She blurted it out straight away in front of the doctor. The doctor denied it and the parents made her apologise. And I remember discussing this with a friend and saying, I can't imagine a five-year-old making up a story like that. How could the parents have been that naive? And yet a lot of parents are very naive when it comes to abuse. Um, I remember hearing a, a woman very crossly saying, oh, you know, that, that case was obviously a lie because the parents said they knew nothing about it. And parents are always the first to know. No, they're not. Because sadly, parents often just don't want to know, just don't want to believe it can be true. You know, there was um, a nice skating coach at the, at the skating rink where my children train, who before their time um, was convicted of child abuse. It can happen anywhere. You just have got to be vigilant. Um, okay, Jacqueline's saying, I'm going to do, try to do this talk testing. Don't worry, I will interpret as best as I can. Hopefully my phone does well. We had spelling tests on Monday. One of the words was biscuit. 
I always say the word and then give an example of the word in a sentence. I said that in England, according to Fiorella, a biscuit is a cookie. That started a whole fun session for spelling because I then connected every other spelling to the biscuit. That is a cookie in England. I guess you had to be there, but the kids and I were all in a blast and we were laughing throughout the entire test. Oh, that is wonderful, Jacqueline. I'm so happy. That really makes me happy. Thank you. Really, thank you for sharing. Um, yes. Uh, Falkhorn, yes, another reason, yet another reason for the FBI to go. Yet another reason, yes. Um, no, I love it when a, sp a spelling test can be fun. There we are. You you've just proven it can happen, Jacqueline. Okay, so I can't wait to find out how poor Maggie coped yesterday with the King Dude talking like a pirate all day. Did anyone else attempt this feat? I need to know. Let me know if you attempted to talk like a pirate all day. I have to say, to be quite honest, that in the West Country where I grew up, that is more or less how people talk. I mean, it's an ex the, the pirate, oh, I remember that, that's, that's an exaggerated thing. Nobody ever said miharties and matey, but the general accent is quite like a Cornish accent because a lot of the, what we think of today as pirates, a lot of them were Cornish, they were smugglers. Um, so that's just a sort of exaggerated accent, a West Country accent. And the Wiltshire accent is a softer version of that. So I, I find it quite endearing. But to be honest, by the end of Crosstalk, I, I was ready to move on. I was ready to stop talking like a pirate. So yes, let's find out how that happened. Um, Jacqueline saying too many parents live out their own dreams through their children. So they tolerate abuse because they want the limelight. That may well be possible. That may well be a possibility. I think sometimes you do get the phenomenon. And I, I certainly have seen this as well of the kind of, oh, she's really rough. He's really tough. Um, but he can teach. He can get them where they want to be. And certainly when there was an investigation recently about um, the treatment of young skaters and one male skater said that that was what he was told. He had this incredibly aggressive coach who I'm mean, literally would punch him in the stomach. I mean, he actually physically abused him if he wouldn't do what he was told. And he kept being told by this coach, you will be nothing without me. I will get you to the Olympics. I'll get you to the top, but you will be nothing without me. And of course, for a, an ambitious, but quite scared young person that was pretty compelling mike are you there we must find another greeting you don't like it anymore what should i, what should I say um <laughs> because if i'm not now, uh, be, because it, hmm? because it's an imperative command it it demands uh, uh, an answer a response yes Yes, yes, I am in attendance. Idea. That is absolutely the idea, Mike. It is to compel you to get to the microphone. It, it's kind of like uh, you change the, the the description of the breakfast every day. Mm -hmm. So can we change the description of the of of the call to Mike? Are you there, Mike? What do you think about this particular? <laughs> yeah, and and if you don't answer, okay. How about I start with the summons? Uh, not going to happen this week. Next week? This is what you and other people just can't understand. I, and I, I just, I don't know how to communicate it. It takes mm -hmm. seven hours to produce this radio show. Mm -hmm. Seven hours. That's just a, that's just a broadcast. It, it takes mm -hmm. three hours to put everything that we broadcast together and to publish it so other people 
can, so other people can uh, listen to it if they missed it. And to archive it and catalog it and make sure that it's there for the mm -hmm. future. We're mm -hmm. at a 10-hour day. Most people don't even get to 10 hours. Well, hey, you, you've still got another 14 hours there. <laughs> there are 14 hours in there. Somewhere you, uh, you, you, somewhere you have to eat. Uh, somewhere you, you have to do other personal things and then live. And there's a, you know, maybe just a little bit of sleep thrown in. Um, mm, it's, an, it's, it's just a, it, it's, 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 I don't mean, we were able to do it before because we were, when we were producing features, because um, I was just having to do the Sirius XM show. And I wasn't have to put never-ending Crusade Channel fires out for five and six hours a day. Uh, it's just, it's, it's not possible. <laughs> and, and, and then people uh, I, uh, ask me to go host events and go do things, and I'm, I'm too stupid to, to say no. Um, uh, and it's just, it, it's, there's just not enough hours. I'd, ha I'd have to tell Justin to quit doing what he's doing, producing uh, the uh, the audio when you say available as a podcast same day, that doesn't just appear. It doesn't get beamed up from the from the ether real. My, my my point is 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 this is tough. It's hard, and there's just not a, there's not a lot of hours. We may have to do this on a, on, a, and then again, uh, I I have things to do around the that need to be uh, that need to be done around the house. Uh, it's it's almost like I'd have to not. We're gonna have to not do shows one day to do the summons. Listen, everyone, are you listening to this? Do feel free to put a donation in the chat room. No, to they help, don't. To help Mike get himself another assistant. Uh, ha having a, a, another staff member or someone else to do some of this would alleviate some of the load. True. Um, but, but but I don't know what it's like in the in the UK. Are, are more people going to to food banks where where you live than you have witnessed since the last crash? Mm. Oh yes, I mean there there are more in some areas. Certainly, there are more food banks than McDonald's. So there's stories today about how the uh, for the first time since two thousand and uh, since the market crash. In 2008 and 2009, that there are more people going to food banks than are going to restaurants. Yeah, that, that makes absolute sense. So, um, and this is all as a result of what was said yesterday at the UN of our, our institutions that are sacrosanct, as Biden said. And uh, it just is, it's, this is not a good time. <laughs> but um, maybe we need to find good things in it, though, right? Oh, absolutely. There's, no, there's, there's many things to be thankful for. But yes, I do understand that you are very busy. I tell you what, Mike, you could always get um, you could get a little cast together. If you're too busy to be the main character, um, you could find someone else and we could record it on Audacity and then just send it to you. We uh, you could, uh, in other words, you would produce it. Well, <laughs> I, uh, I, I suppose or, or you could get someone else to produce it, you know. And, 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 well, are, are we going to find someone that has the talents and skills that's going to produce it and is going to donate their work? Um, well, there must be someone there somewhere. <laughs> See, when, K when, when, when get, we did KV the... KV get off his backside and do it. Okay. Play two. Okay, I think KV is a, a, he's a player and not a producer. 
Uh, when we did the the when we did the last confession of Sherlock Holmes, it took four weeks of prep. It took a week to record. Um, it took about three weeks to um, get all the music uh, to, to to get everything together, and then to mix it and produce it. And you know you had to do the artworks and. <laughs> These kind of products in the modern world don't just appear. This is this is the point I'm trying to make. This stuff is not easy to put together, and I don't like putting it together when it doesn't look like the BBC did it. <laughs> I, I I I don't like signing my name to things that just that, that look that look poor. So it, in order in order to do it, uh, it, it it just it takes it takes time. So yeah, yes, I appreciate. We, I appreciate that, Mike. I suppose, and I, actually, I don't know who would produce it if you didn't. But we could record it, and then you'd have the whole thing there. You just have to do all the bells and whistles when when you had the time. So I, um, maybe all of these things are uh, are things that uh, uh, maybe some of them are, 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 are. What's the word? What's the word? Not non necessities, and you don't have to do them. Um, what producing a play? No, no, I'm talking about the the other things that go on on on, on an average day every day. Um, well, I, I managed to manage to do without sleep quite a lot of the time. <laughs> I'm not sure how good it is for me, to be quite honest. But you know, I'm the, awake. The thing with yes. the thing about doing doing without sleep, though, uh, is uh, if you're called upon to use your intellect. Serotonin is something that you need. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's not. <laughs> it's not something you go like. Ah, I, I just I won't have my dose of serotonin today. When I hear people say, "Oh, I've been going for three days without any sleep," uh, I bet you fell asleep and you didn't even know it. Well, I think the thing is, it does eventually drive you mad. It does well <laughs> drive you mad, uh, give you poor health, uh, and then you know all this stress. That we, that we have uh, to complete all these things in in the modern world, do, do, do you know the number one cause of heart heart attacks is steroids? Really? And it's well, not the steroids that you would take from you know to grow muscles and stuff. The steroids that your uh, your body produces when you're under stress. Right, I didn't know that. Yes, which is why people that work 75, 80, 85 hours a week are are. Pre uh, have the highest rates of heart disease and heart attack of the general population. Well, I'm not surprised. Oh, Maggie, I'm so sorry. It took a month of Maggie having to speak to Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> the Sherlock. Yes, it's got. Was it was it better or worse than the pirate thing? I mean, I only did the pirate thing a couple of times yesterday. <laughs> if you keep complaining about it, I can. No. We can. We can make it talk like a pirate week. Oh, good grief. Can you imagine? No. Sorry, Maggie. So how is the weather? Awful. It is now autumn. You know, that suddenly the, the, the weather's broken. You don't like fall? I love fall, but we don't get a fall here in the Deep South. No, not at all. I'd miss, I'd miss it if I didn't have it. I mean, we do, but not like, not, not like you would get up in New England and the, the, the northern United States. You know, you get a fall up there, and then the leaves start turning colors. Do your leaves turn colors? Oh yes, no. It's it's uh, autumn is a beautiful season. Yes, that the the leaves all turn rusty brown and fall off the trees. You have the horse chestnuts, you know, the conkers and things like that. Um, and it's this feeling of you know that the fog descends early in the morning, 
Um, but the only thing I don't like about autumn is the spiders. You get more spiders? We get big spiders. So it's spider in, season. It's, it is spider season because in the summer they grow outside. And then as the weather starts to turn, they come indoors. Oh, they're looking for shelter. Yes, really <laughs> big ones. They're, they're not dangerous, but I still cannot stand the things. Most of the uh, the spiders that are the most dangerous are the ones that are the smallest. Yes, oh, these are completely harmless. There are no poisonous spiders in, in Britain at all, fortunately. Like, I saw my first live black widow spider when we were at Walsingham West last time for the first time and it was uh, smaller than the smaller than my pinky nail. Yeah. Yeah, they were, it's not a large spider. Do you know what a brown recluse is? No. So a brown recluse is one of those small spiders that uh, that is venomous. But a brown recluse has what looks like a violin on its back. Oh. Looks like the outline of a Stradivarius. <laughs> Good heavens. I, I still wouldn't like it very much. So to the uh, not having uh, to uh, not having an, uh, uh, enough time in a day or hours in a day, have you ever seen the painting Angelus? Yes. Okay, so it shows. I love that. Yes, most people do. And why do you love it? There's just something so peaceful and ordinary about it. You know, just two people stopping their work in the middle of a field to, to praise God. It's okay, just... so um, when I was at the Catholic Land Movement Conference on, on this weekend, um, uh, in my uh, my little spiel on the bell, on the on the incredible Catholic Church bell, which most people, if you, if you knew how a bell was blessed, you'd have a lot more respect for Quasimodo. And, <laughs> and you'd also, you, you might even, you, you, would, you would insist that Father... Uh, uh, raise the funds to build a bell tower if you don't have one at your church. Um, so think about the Angelus. So that painting is from 1851, I mm -hmm. want to say. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It's a French artist. Um, so it shows exactly what you just said, Fiorella. But here's the thing. What didn't they have in 1851 that we have today? Loads of things. Lots of things, but there's well, there's one primary uh, thing that they probably wouldn't in rural France, which, which I think is pictured. What might, what might might not they have had? Let, let, let's let's just say that they were really uh, that they were salt of, of the earth and uh, defenders of livers off the land types of folks. What would they not have had, and how would they have known that it was time for Angelus? Um. Well, they had bells. The church bell rang. Yeah, but they had bells in the in, in rural France. Absolutely. That's a great thing. That's that's the whole point. They did. So yeah. they weren't carrying around. They didn't have a smartphone. They didn't have a walking watch to tell them how many paces they had walked during mm -hmm. the tilling of the field that day. Uh, they didn't have to check their Twitter, Twitter account, or Facebook, or anything. Uh, the kids were the kids weren't calling them up on the on the on the smartphone, telling them, asking them what time they were going to pick them up at the train station. So they were just out in the field doing what people in Christendom did, and then they heard the noon chime for Angelus, and mm -hmm. they stopped. Yeah. Can we go back in time and do that? <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So, so you compare. What we have been talking about to the Angelus painting. So when you say it's beautiful, that's why it's beautiful. Well, uh, Mike, if you wish to go back in time, sort of, you know you can <laughs> you can actually download an Angelus spell for your phone. It goes off every day at noon. I don't need to. 
Oh, you you just haven't. Actually no, I already have it. Oh, okay, right. But I, I'd yeah. much rather live somewhere where I could hear the church bell. That would be nice, but I mean, we haven't had that in this country for you know, well, the best part of a thousand years. So. You haven't had a church bell. No, no, an Angelus bell. In Britain, it's not a Catholic country. So, oh, okay, all right. Oh, so the Anglicans don't say Angelus. Well, probably some high Anglicans might, but no, I mean, it's not its not something I've ever come across in the Anglican tradition. Yeah, I get people look at me, I get strange stares when my phone goes off at noon um, and I'm somewhere in, pub, <laughs> in public. Like, why would you set your, your, your alarm to go off at noon? Who's, who's alarming? But, but, but when you're around people that are traditional or, or practicing those parts of the faith, it's interesting you could be in a room with 20, uh, 20 or, or 30 people um, or say you go to a, uh, to a, a weekday mass that's actually at noon, um, 50% of the people's phones all go off at the same time. Wow, do you know, I have not come across that here. You even mentioned earlier today that today's an ember day. Yes. So most people don't even know what an ember day is. Well, I, I've only learned that since I started doing this uh, program. So, yeah, so today so. is a partial abstinence day. Friday, of course, is complete abstinence. And Saturday is another partial abstinence day. But Ember Day, you know, we have uh, for uh, uh, ordinations and also for um, uh, for the changing of the seasons. So right now, mm -hmm. if you were in Germany or Bavaria, you may be uh, getting uh, the oxen cart and the and and, and the, whatever you're going to use to harvest the wheat ready. Mm -hmm. So then you could get working on making the Oktoberfest beer. <laughs> Which is a fantastic thing. I might even try it this year. Oktoberfest beer. Okay. Yes, but I'm not putting any egg whites in it. No, I, I don't know. I, I can't quite reconcile myself to... Um, Have you ever had a gin fizz? A what? A gin fizz. Never had one. A gin fizz has an egg white in it. I'm not really a gin drinker. Well, if you were a gin fizz drinker, you'd had a drink with an egg white. Right. No, no thanks. So tomorrow, are the South Africans up? Uh, it's Thursday? Yes, absolutely. All right, we shall see you on Friday, God willing. See you then. Have a good couple of days. It is half past the hour. It's been my absolute pleasure to bring you the early show all the way from Chile, England. Don't forget to write to me at Fiorella at CrusadeChannel.com. And the chat room is open for your commentary at CrusadeChannel.com forward slash chat. I will now leave you with the King Dude, Mike Church himself. You're listening to the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. 